0: You are listening to The Music Room with Aileen Miracle. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 33 of The Music Room. This is Aileen and I am super excited to talk to you today about student teachers in The Music Room. At this point in my career, I have had several student teachers and I've had some really great experiences. One of our listeners asked for this as a podcast topic, and I was excited to do that because I think it's a great topic. And I know lots of you out there are considering having a student teacher or you've had a student teacher before. So it's a great topic to talk about. All right, so I wanted first to start with the benefits of having a student teacher. I am Someone who loves to help people out. I'm sure a lot of us out there who are teachers got into teaching because you like helping people out. So I really think that's number one. Being able to help an individual student in their music educator journey is really powerful and awesome. I think it also really makes you think through everything you do because, you know, when you've been teaching for a while things become really natural. And you don't necessarily think through, well, first, I need to do this. And then I need to do this. And then I need to do this, you just do it naturally. So when you have a student teacher, and they maybe struggle a little bit more with that, it just makes you stop and pause and really think through your process and why you do what you do. And sometimes you end up through having a student teacher refining your process a little bit as you see them struggle with something. Or sometimes you have great student teachers who do something phenomenally and then you can refine your process. And it also gives you new ideas, sometimes from the student teacher and sometimes from their coordinator. Like if you have someone coming in from the university to watch that teacher and give suggestions, then sometimes some of their suggestions are great. And sometimes you get, honestly, new ideas from both of them, the student teacher and their coordinator. So I really think that overall, it improves your teaching, it really helps another beginning teacher out, and it makes you reflect on why you do what you do. Two reasons to not have a student teacher. If you're thinking you want to take a student teacher on because it's going to give you extra time, I would say that's not really a great reason. At the end of the student teaching process, you might have a little bit more time because they're up in front of kids more. But at the beginning of the process, it's really time consuming. In my experience, you end up losing a lot of your planning because you're talking through everything that you're doing with that person. So I think it kind of evens out. You give a lot more time at the beginning and then near the end, you get a little bit of time back because they're up in front of students more often. But if you think, oh, well, they're going to be up in front of them the entire time. That's not typically how it happens or that's not how I would suggest for it to happen. And number two, if you're really busy and you don't really have the time to discuss everything you do and why you do it and how you do it, then it's probably not time for a student teacher. And there's nothing wrong with that. I have had periods in my career where someone reached out to me and asked if i'd be interested in having a student teacher and i said no i'm i'm just too busy right now so you just kind of have to make that call on your own and really look at that work life balance and make sure that it's something that you're ready to take on all right i have 10 tips for a successful student teacher journey number 1 plan out everything in advance so really think through when will that student teacher start teaching kids how long will they just sit and observe you What will they help you with as far as any programs or performances you have? Like really think through everything. And I have found it really helpful to write it out week by week. Like week one, this is what's going to happen. And actually give that to them. Week two, this is what's going to happen. And in that breakdown of week by week, you could include, you know, May 14th or whatever is a professional development day. Like include all of that, any kind of like special events or PD days or anything like that or days off, I would include that in your information that you give the student teacher before he or she starts my friend Carla at C major learning she has been on the podcast before her full name is Carla Hewinsky I'm sure you've heard me talk about her if you've listened to the podcast before and you've probably heard her talk because she's actually been on the podcast a couple times she has an awesome handbook on TPT called student teacher handbook for any classroom and I can link to that in the show notes if you're looking for the show notes if you go to Room.com and then go to podcast and then episode 33, then you'll find all of the show notes. I highly recommend the student teacher handbook by Carla because she gives you an editable document that you can just click into the text box and type anything that you need. And she has it all broken down, like the calendar idea that I was just Giving you, I got that idea from Carla. So she has tons of pages in there that make it really easy to just sit down and just fill in some stuff and send it to them and it's done. It's so awesome. So, really having thought through everything you're going to do and, like I said, the week by week and day by day is really, really helpful. I generally have had student teachers for about six weeks, which isn't a whole lot of time because they spend another six or seven weeks in another setting, like a secondary setting. So really thinking through week one, this is what's going to happen. Week two is so helpful so that you can make sure by like week four, they're pretty much teaching everything because they really need that experience of being in front of kids and going through an entire day of teaching and feeling successful with it. So however it's structured with whatever university you're working with, think through, okay, when is it halfway through the experience or a little bit more than halfway when they can be up in front of kids pretty much the whole time. All right, number two, as far as tips for a successful student-teacher journey, I would decide which grade level they'll start teaching fully first. So there might be like a grade level that they end up taking over that entire grade level first. And maybe with the other grade levels, they're still teaching a little bit, but it might only be 10 or 15 minutes of a lesson or something like that. Or another approach is you could have them take over like 10 minutes of every single lesson, then take over 15 minutes of every single lesson, you know, that kind of thing until they're teaching everything. As far as lesson planning goes, I do find it a little bit more helpful to focus on one or two grade levels at a time so that it's not super overwhelming in which they are actually creating the lesson plans, which we'll talk about that in a few minutes and how to structure that. But really think through what grade level and or how much of each lesson they're going to start teaching. I personally find it helpful to have at least the first one or two days where they're just sitting and watching you instead of immediately having them up in front of the kids. I think it's really helpful to have them just being able to sit and watch and hopefully take notes. Sometimes you might have a student teacher or sometimes I'll have someone come and observe me and they're just truly just sitting there watching. I've reminded some student teachers, you might wanna write some of this down because you might think that you'll remember it now, but you might not. So I think having that time of just observing is really important as well. All right. Number three, I would reach out to your student teacher beforehand and see if they'd like to come visit your classroom and meet with you. Or even if it's just meeting for lunch, I think it's really important to have that connection before they walk into your classroom on the first day of student teaching. I think that's helpful. If they're able to come inside your classroom, I think that lessens their anxiety because they can kind of see, okay, this is what their classroom looks like and okay, well, I've met my coordinating teacher and I think it kind of helps calm them a little bit as well. And if they're starting truly on the first day of your school year, then maybe you can meet in the summer. Maybe you can't, but if you are able to set something up, I find that helpful. All right, number four, I would share a Dropbox folder with them or a Google Drive folder or something with them that has lots of goodies. So whether that be sample lesson plans so they can see how you typically write a lesson, your year plans, your concept plans, or PPPs, your songs, that can be really helpful because depending on what they had in college, they may not know a lot of the songs that your kids are doing and it would be really helpful for them to have it. So if you have it on Dropbox or Google Drive, then you can keep adding to it throughout the experience. And then they still have access to it. And honestly, they could still have access after their student teaching. They might really find that valuable as well. All right, number five, as they are watching you and or after they have taught, I would ask them questions besides just do you have any questions I have made that mistake as I've had student teachers of just asking do you have any questions and then they say no and I'm like "Mm, maybe I should have been more specific so I would say ask questions such as if they have just observed you teach what did you notice how do you think I was assessing students which activity can you see yourself being really comfortable teaching Just a little bit more specific than, do you have any questions? Because I think it really forces them to think about what they've observed or think about what they just taught. And I personally think it is so, so important for us as teachers to constantly be reflective. Without that reflective piece, I think our teaching could really stagnate. So really trying to foster that early on with them, really getting them to think, about what they've seen. So like with my own students, I have done what did you notice? What do you wonder? So that could be a good one too, what you could ask them. What what do you wonder right now after watching that or after teaching? So really just getting them thinking. All right, number six, this is kind of a big one with a few different points. Be okay giving up some control. And it's not that all of us are control freaks, but it can be hard when someone walks into your classroom to give that control up because your classroom probably runs like a well-oiled machine and it's hard to just hand it over to somebody. So a few kind of sub points within this. When they start writing lessons, maybe give them key points that a lesson should have or make sure that they learn this particular song because that was something that you were planning on teaching. Make sure that they are practicing or preparing these concepts. Make sure that you have a balance of concentration and relaxation. Make sure that they keep continuing on in their listening of Mozart's Rondo alla Turca or whatever that is. Like you could give them like, this is the literature or these are the listening pieces that I want them to do, but give them the autonomy to be able to kind of make choices about what goes where and how long they're going to spend on something and that kind of thing. Because if you give them the lesson assignment a few days ahead of time, where it's due a few days before they're actually going to teach the lesson, then you can come back at them and say, well, I think you should tweak this. I think you're spending too long on this. And you can help them cultivate that lesson so that when the kids are ready to get that lesson, it's already been edited and polished and that kind of thing. A second point within that idea of being okay giving up control is if something isn't working whether it be you know classroom management or how something is sequenced out don't be afraid to let it fail a little bit and I don't mean like at the beginning of the student teaching experience the first time they're up in front of kids but especially if you're nearing the end of the student teaching experience and something isn't quite going the way that you would want it to or maybe students are acting in a way that's Not okay, and that you would react to, and maybe the student teacher is not reacting to as quickly as you would be okay waiting a little bit because I think allowing for that to maybe flop a little bit or fail a little bit is going to teach the student teacher something. Kind of think of like the idea of a helicopter parent where the helicopter parent is always wanting to come in and swoop in and take care of anything so that the student or their child has no obstacle. And as a mom, I understand how hard it is to resist that urge because you don't want anything bad to happen to your child. But of course, we're finding out that that's actually teaching kids that things are always going to get taken care of. And then they don't have the grit or resilience to deal with difficult situations when they do happen. So same kind of thing here with a student teacher, it's okay to let something fail or flap a little bit as long as nobody's getting hurt, everybody's safe, that kind of thing. Obviously if you have a fist fight or something like that going on, you need to step in. But if it's something kind of minor and you can just sit back and watch how the student teacher deals with it, I think that is actually more helpful than swooping in and, and fixing it. And then you can have a discussion with them after, like instead of immediately telling them this is what you should have done better, you could ask why do you think that didn't work? Or even better, how do you think that went? And see if they can even come up with, well, it wasn't working and here's why. Again, that reflection piece I think is so important for student teachers to develop as educators and to continue to do as educators. And then this kind of will depend on your situation But if you can leave the room, and I don't mean for hours at a time, but if you can leave the room, even if you're sitting outside the door, or I have a storage closet that I have stepped inside the storage closet before, because I do think it's important that they're with kids by themselves so that if a situation happens, they can think on their feet and know what to do. Again, you don't want to go too far and you don't want to go for too long. And maybe in your district, you're not even allowed to do that. It really kind of depends on your school. But if you can leave the room, even just for a little bit of time, I think it's helpful for the student teacher to gain their independence and kind of fly out of the nest, you know, and hopefully not fall all the way to the ground. (laughs) All right, so another point here. Let's see which number I'm on here. One, two, three, four, five. Six. I think this is number seven, the seventh tip. Give homework besides lesson planning. So I think it's helpful for them to, and instead of just like you need to work on a second grade lesson plan and a third grade lesson plan tonight, to also give reading assignments such as chapters from like the Kodak Context by Choksi, which is out of print now. So It's a little bit harder to get to, but I can link to it in the show notes. Kodai Today is another one by Houlihan and Taka, which is really great. And First We Sing, Kodai Inspired Teaching for the Music Classroom by Susan Brumfield is also great. And those are Kodai texts. If you um, are ORF inspired or have another music making approach, then I'm sure you have books at your fingertips that you really love. So give them a chapter out of that. And if you trust them enough to take the book home and bring it back, then you could do that and say, you know, this week, can you read this chapter? And then you can have a discussion about what that chapter was talking about. I've also given reflections as homework, where you just say, please write, even if it's an email, send me an email or send me a Google Doc with how you think this week went. What did you enjoy? What do you feel like you did well with? What do you think you could have improved? That kind of thing. Because again, that reflection piece is so important. All right, number eight, don't be afraid to be honest. I think sometimes it's hard for us to be critical because we don't want to hurt someone's feelings, but in this situation, it's so important that we are honest. Of course, be positive and tell that student teacher what they're doing well, but also tell them what they need to improve because if they go out into the teaching world and they don't realize what flaws they have, then it's going to be a rude awakening when they get their first evaluation by their administrator. And if they're not aware of what they need to work on, then it's that much more difficult for them. So always, of course, start with a positive, but don't be afraid to be critical. All right, number nine, I love to give a gift at the end. And it could be something small. It could be like a puppet or the last student teacher I had. She really loved using my wind chimes in my room to get students' attention, so I gave her some wind chimes and a book that she really enjoyed reading. So it can be, like I said, something really small. I have heard of some teachers giving their student teachers OAKE membership or AOSA membership as a gift, which I think is an awesome idea. So anything like that that you think will help the student teacher in their journey, and especially if it's something tangible, every time they use that puppet, they can think of you and think of the experience, which is so great. And number 10, just be an open door and tell them, I am available to you. Even after this experience, you can come to me with any questions. If you just need to vent about something, if you need a recommendation, especially if they did a fantastic job, you know, just tell them like, I am more than willing to continue to be a support to you so that they feel like they're not going out there alone. All right, so just a quick recap of what we talked about. The first tip was plan out everything in advance, and I talked about Carla Chawinski's awesome student teacher handbook. Number two, decide which grade level or how much of a lesson they'll be teaching first. Number three, reach out to them beforehand and hopefully try to meet them beforehand. Number four, share a Dropbox folder or a folder on Google Drive to share some goodies with them. Number five, ask them questions, like higher level thinking questions to really get them thinking about their practice. Number six, be okay giving up control. Uh, Number seven, give homework. Number eight, don't be afraid to be too honest. Number nine, give a gift at the end as a way to say thank you. And you can even have your students helping with that too. If you want your students to give them something handwritten about how they'll miss them, that's really awesome too. And number 10, just keep that connection between you and the student teacher so that they can keep coming to you with any questions or, or advice or anything like that. All right, let's talk about what I'm consuming. All right. So my husband and I pretty much every year religiously go to the Nelsonville Music Festival in Nelsonville, Ohio. We just love it. And so he's meticulous about putting together a playlist every year of all the bands like he'll check the schedule and he'll download music on Napster and he'll figure out which ones he thinks that we would enjoy and then he makes a playlist and so we are listening to the Nelsonville 2019 playlist right now but I'm super excited Death Cab for Cutie is going to be there and they're one of my all-time favorite bands so they're going to be there so we've been listening to some Death Cab and I thought I'd pretty much heard all of Death Cab but apparently I haven't because I've heard some new songs already and then a couple others that he has put on the playlist but there's Tons on this playlist. Darling Side, I'm really enjoying. So if you like indie rock or if you like Death Cat for Cutie, then maybe you might also like Darling Side. Not that they sound just like Death Cat for Cutie, but that's just my taste in music. Just indie rock, acoustic, mellow. I love that kind of stuff. So um, Mandolin Orange is another one that we're listening to, which is really fun. So that's what I'm consuming. All right, thank you so much for listening today. I hope this is helpful as you are thinking about student teachers in the music classroom. Again, if you go to the show notes, I'll have some links there as far as like the texts I mentioned, and then Carla's handbook as well. And make sure to subscribe in iTunes if you haven't already. As I release more podcast episodes, I will soon be talking about three new things that I tried this year that I loved. And I will be interviewing Joan Lippman soon as well about multicultural music in the music classroom. So I hope that you're able to listen to those. Have a great day.